This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life. Because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey everyone, I'm here with Abby Van Malsen. Hello. We're, uh, yeah. <laughs> We're still under quarantine, under lockdown. Uh, although some things are getting lifted at the moment, which is great. But uh, you're you're in Allendale right now, right? I am. I yeah. am. We're you know the epicenter of Michigan. Everything's happening. <laughs> how is that? How is no, that? nothing's happening. I'm staring out at just grass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like of all the things that are happening today in Michigan. Um, <laughs> Definitely not Allendale. <laughs> we're popping. So I know you, uh, we're co-workers. We work mm-hmm. at uh, the same uh, middle school in Hudsonville. Uh, we've known each other for a little over a year now. Um, yeah. That's when you, you started uh, working as an ELA teacher, English language arts. At it, That reminds me, I cannot tell you how many people do not know what ELA is. I wonder that sometimes because people ask, what do you teach? And I say ELA, because I think if I say English, people will sometimes assume I'm teaching the language to, to people who are maybe like English second language learners, Mm -hmm. um, which is awesome, but like, that's not what I do. So I, I always say ELA, but then sometimes they're like, Oh, right. Right. Every, every time (laughs) I say ELA, I have been asked, what does that mean? <laughs> they probably, cause, well, there are so many acronyms in education already, like PBL, PLN, like, oh, they're like, yeah. oh, what's this new ELA? You're like, we're reading books. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I just had to say that, I'd get it off my shoulders. <laughs> sure. Eating, eating me uh, for years now. Um, <laughs> but but you're, so you're an ELA teacher, uh, middle school, and that, so that's how we know each other. Uh, and through through that, we've gotten to know each other through um, mutual fr- friend group and uh, hung out several times and uh, done karaoke and had <laughs> uh, some uh, in- enjoyable conversations about uh, Taylor Swift, Jonas Brothers. Of course, all the greats, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> uh, you, what's funny is that you, even though you teach at, in Hudsonville, you grew up in Hudsonville. You, you went to the I same did. school that you're teaching in right now uh, I did what, isn't that crazy it's wild like a lot of the staff that I had are still there which is like a blessing and a curse I think because right. yeah. like it's it's so fun especially the ones that I like really looked up to as like mentors it's like oh now I get to work alongside these teachers that made such a great impact on me but then sometimes too they they remember you as being like the 13 year old girl in an air apostle t-shirt and you're like no I swear I've changed. I have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> so there's Aeropost- a little bit of that too. Your apostle reference is. Oh, for sure. Man, that is. <laughs> no time like 2006, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what was it like growing up in uh, Hudsonville? For anyone who's not like from the area, it's very much so a Midwest kind of bubble a lot of really nice people, a lot of friendly people, a lot of um, young families and stuff. 
Uh, but there's also like a lot of downsides to that too. I think at times there are a lot of people who grow up here and, and never leave, never travel much or live anywhere else, uh, which at times can lend itself to a perspective that can be a little bit less than worldly. But I think people here just have really good intentions. It's a community that cares a lot about each other. Uh, that's really awesome. I love teaching these kids more than anything, but I also think it's really great when people who have been kind of outside of Hudsonville come here and come back and get to share those stories. Uh, so I moved to Chicago uh, after I went to Hope College, and then I taught in northern Midwest Michigan for a little bit near Muskegon, and that was great. Um, and now I'm back here close to family, which is awesome. Um, but I'm super thankful for my other experiences because I think they made me a better person and a better teacher before I kind of came back home here. It's awesome. Thank yeah. You. And, and, uh, you know, and your husband's also a teacher in the same district as well. Yep. So yep. He's at the high school here and he grew up at Jenison, which is our, like kind of our biggest like rival school. So that's been fun <laughs> for him too. Music for you growing up, uh, it's, what were the influences that were that you first started out with and how did that come about? I will tell people that like <laughs> when you asked me to do this podcast, I said no at first because I don't think I really have like good taste in music. <laughs> so I, I just like what I like and I know a lot of other people like it too. But then I thought, you know, like that's a point of view too. A point of view can be like, this makes me really happy. But I think I, I liked pop music growing up to a point. Um, my older sister had a cassette tape of Britney Spears, the Hit Me Baby One More Time and Oops I Did It Again and all that yeah. stuff. Um, so me and my older sister would jam out to that all the time. Like it was the, the coolest thing ever. And like Spice Girls were huge in the, in the late 90s. Um, my first CDs were Aaron Carter and now five <laughs> uh, just like seeing commercials for how big that number has gotten is funny. Um, so a lot of just like the pop realm and world. My parents were uh, always playing Christian music in the car because we, we grew up very much so in the church. Um, so they played a lot of um, like Christian I, I don't even know if Christian rock or Christian pop is the right word. I don't want to like mislabel anybody, but like Stephen Curtis Chapman and Michael W. Smith and, and stuff like that. So I, I had definitely some like religious exposure, but then I also had the like fact that we went to the hit me baby one more time concert. And I was like seven years old, like, yes, Brittany. <laughs> it's interesting thing uh, that you have this dichotomy of, you know, Christian music with uh, the, what was uh, pop music and, you know, secular uh, for right. uh, the late nineties. Um, what, like, how did that, how is that kind of allowed basically? Right, right. No, I think that's fair. I think my parents, my parents are awesome. And unfortunately when you're young, you don't even realize your parents are awesome until you're older sometimes. Uh, but I think my parents were very great about about a lot of things, but mostly about letting me and my sisters like make our own choices. They were never ones who said like, you can only listen to this or you have to do, I mean, to, to an extent with like being parents, like you'd have to be home by a certain time, but they didn't put a super tight filter necessarily on things that we read or things that we listened to in terms of like music or books, because I think they knew if they did do that, we might 
rebel a little bit. Like we might be even more curious or we might grow to resent certain things. And so I think the fact that they let us kind of explore things we wanted to was really helpful and a sign of good parenting. At the same time, like the worst thing we listened to was like Britney Spears, you know? So I, I don't want to say my parents were like, do whatever you want. Like the, the songs were never like strong language or too PG-13 in nature. They just weren't necessarily like uplifting Christian music. They were very like neutral songs. And I think my family was totally fine with that. Interesting. How did the Jonas Brothers? Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. So I am like just a big defender of all boy bands, girl bands, whatever. So back in the 90s, it was all, you know, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Now it's anything from like people listening to Little Mix or BTS or Blackpink or like because K-pop's getting huge and all that stuff. Um, But I hit right at the sweet spot in my tween years the golden age of Nick, Joe, and Kevin Jonas. So I fell in love with them. Like I was very adamant, like Nick and I might get married, which was a whole, you know, I had to be ready. We went to his, you know, the concert. I had to wear my best Aeropostale t-shirt. So, (laughs) but I went to their concert when I was in eighth grade and I sat in the third row, stood in the third row, I should say, because I was very invested. Yeah, it was great. They did a they did a weird raffle thing where um, to get tickets you showed up um, and you got in line, but then they drew a number and that was the start of the line instead of who got there the earliest. So um, I went with a friend and we were I think it was like three hundred seventieth in line, mm-hmm. but the first number that they drew was three hundred. Uh, so then we were, they started taking orders there and we were only 70th in line then. And we ended up with third row seats on the floor. So I remember Joe during the concert, he like had a water bottle and he took the cap off of his water bottle and he sprayed the crowd and yeah. some of the water got on me and my friend. And I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> me and Joe have used the same water. <laughs> um, but no, I, I thought it was so much fun. It's so funny now because they took like a hiatus in their back and I went to their concert again uh this past fall last september and i sat by one of my students (laughs) and so that was really exciting and school had just started so she was like doing double takes at me like is that my teacher and i brought my mom and then she was with her mom and so the next day at school i was like it was so cool we were both with our moms wasn't it oh my gosh and she was just so embarrassed i was like oh it's it's great what's about the jonas brothers that that you think is so appealing Ah, okay. Um, they're, I love that they're a family, first of all. I just think that's very sweet. And I, I like their whole arc. Like, it's no surprise that people resonate with people who are close to their age, oftentimes. And I'm the same age as, as Nick Jonas, the youngest of those three. Uh, they actually have a younger brother, Frankie, who's not in the band, which is a whole funny thing. But so when I was a kid, you know, I was like, oh, this is so awesome. Like these boys are my age and they made their dreams come true and I can make my dreams come true and and all of this stuff. Because I was very into theater growing up, too. I was very, I don't know, I was a little ham and like always loved being on, in a tank, like at the center of attention. I did a lot of plays and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, they made it like I can do that, too. But then as they get older, you start to see more like, okay, their family isn't perfect. Oh, this one kind of got a big head about things. Oh, this one 
um, would rather start a family because he has different priorities and that's okay. And then at that same time, I'm that same age and I have three sisters. We would be a terrible musical group just based off of our lack of talent in that arena. Um, <laughs> but the, the similar concepts of like, oh, like it makes sense that when you're young, you're told to make this kind of music or do this type of thing. And you can be seen as a unit, like we could be the the Labarge girls growing up, but you all do have different personalities. And sometimes those don't mesh well together. And sometimes one of you does want to go your own way, or these two want to do this or, but then them getting to the age that they are now and I am now and them realizing like, you know what, we're all different, but we're still a family. I think mm -hmm. that's just really sweet. So I talk with Christina, one of the teachers at Riley, about them every once in a while. And we both just like relive the glory days, but then we're like, no, these are also the glory days. <laughs> what uh speaking of you know the, the glory days compare seeing them in eighth grade live to last uh fall oh. what what was what's um yeah compare and contrast um ELA. i think <laughs> make a make a venn diagram yeah <laughs> um i think I liked their music back then at that age very much um but i like their music now um, much better at, at this age. Um, they're okay. very much so like pop rock, I guess. I mean, heavy emphasis on the pop there, like 80, 20, maybe. But all of their music back then kind of sounded the same. Like it was all very simple guitar and, you know, four chords and this drum beat. And every song is about like, you're this girl and you're beautiful because you have hair and eyes and a smile. Like, <laughs> You know, those, those very detailed descriptions. And, and, and I thought that was like fun and great to, cause I just wanted to get up and like dancing jam. Like I was never someone who was like, they're singing to me. If you are, that's fine. But I wasn't, I just like to dance, but like being there now and um, having them talk about like their life and like one of them is a father. Another one has a baby on the way now and having them talk about the things that they've gone through and, and just having like a different slightly slight I mean they're still definitely pop but having a slightly more like folksier or um alternative aspect on a few of their songs I liked it much more now and there was such a strong vibe of being at the concert of everyone was very much so like my age demographic like I'm 26 and we were all between for the most part between like 22 and 35 and we were all jamming out, which was so fun. We were all like, I wore the t-shirt that I got at the concert back in eighth grade. Uh, Cause I still yeah. had it. And like so many other girls were wearing the exact same shirt <laughs> and everyone there was just so positive and happy to be there because it was like the reckoning of this, of this band. It was like, they're back. We waited, you know, it wasn't like a hiatus. That was a few months. It was a hiatus. That was like 10 years. And we came back with a vengeance and the fans were ready. Yeah. I think what's interesting is you you elaborated on how they have lives, right? They've right. gotten married, they've had kids, and the same thing has happened to you, right? You know, you've gotten married, um, I have. and and you all these other different things that maybe you share, you have in, uh, a common shared experience where it's not just about thinking about a boy in, in middle school, right? Right, right. I think that, like, I, I feel that way with a lot of the pop musicians that are my age. Like, I, I love Taylor Swift, and I just think that 
it's a lot because I resonate with that age group very much. So I feel very much like I'm 26. Like a lot of people I think feel, oh, I'm actually five years older than what I am, or I feel younger than what I am. I feel like I'm very much so right on with the age that I am. And there are times then where I feel very mature for my age and times where I feel very immature and lost for my age. But I always want to just be positive and be in a good mood. And so I know a lot of people resonate with music that connects with them when they're feeling low or feeling sad. And I'd rather resonate with people whose commonality with me isn't an emotion, but is more so a life experience. And we're making that experience now positive together. Yeah, totally. Do you remember which Jonas Brothers song I sang for karaoke? Oh, shoot. Love Bug. Love Bug. Yes. Okay. It took me a minute. I was like, ah, uh, I was running through. Yes. I was cheering you on, Kyle. If I, if I had had a lighter in the back, I would have waved it. <laughs> yep. It was, it was Love Bug. It, it was great. I, I, we all felt sufficiently serenaded, I think. <laughs> I it's it's one of those where I think ten years ago I would have I I I never you know never would have done it like, like I would have never done a Jonas Brothers karaoke song right you know and then you're like why be prideful when you can be fun to be around exactly <laughs> why. Why do you love uh, pop music so much? <laughs> I, I think it gets a really bad rep for just being top 40. And that's not, I mean, I like to listen to top 40 just fine, but I just like to be happy. Like, I feel like I've, I've gone through enough stuff in life and like the world is going through enough stuff in life that like, I, I remember listening to like sad songs in high school to get through like a breakup or a bad day. And I'm just like, no, now I want to use music as a catalyst to like pump myself up, make myself confident uh, and be happy. And so I still like music that's not top 40, but like, I don't know, take someone like Taylor Swift. She's my favorite of all time. The songs that she puts out on the radio are her singles. They're meant to be radio played hits. Like they're meant to sell in that regard. Those are my least favorite songs that she puts out. I still like them fine, but like if you listen to her albums, they're beautifully written. And I think there's a lot of people who would say, I don't know, I just, I'm so over the concept of like, oh, I was born in the wrong decade. Music today isn't what it used to be. And I'm like, then you're listening to the wrong music. Like, yeah, some songs are like Justin Bieber's Yummy or something, but like he can still write a good song. Or Taylor Swift has some songs that uh, like people might say, oh, she sings Shake It Off. And like, yeah, she does because that sells well on the radio and that's fun to dance to. Uh, but she writes like all too well. She writes Dancing With Our Hands Tied. She writes King of My Heart. She writes these beautiful things uh, that people don't get to see because they don't give it the time of day. And then they still feel the need to add commentary on it. So basically, I just want to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> all of that to say all that to say you know i like to dance <laughs> yeah i feel like you kind of came to a point where and you've kind of already alluded to it in some ways you kind of have this like punk girl kind of <laughs> vibe to you and you you even got into some punk pop uh yourself like avril lavigne <laughs> um, was there any other uh punk pop that you you really got into uh, during the, your adolescent ages? 
Um, I think I was into a lot of, I don't know, like I, I would listen to certain songs by certain bands, but I wasn't necessarily into that band. Like I knew the popular songs by Paramore. I knew the popular songs by Fall Out Boy and Green Day. Like the middle by Jimmy Eat World I thought was so great. And so I, I think there were moments um, but those weren't necessarily things I, I dived super deep into. I was really into Good Charlotte for a time, but like very much so not in the time span that was appropriate. Like I listened to their uh, 2002 album, The Young and the Hopeless, but like when I was a senior in high school in 2012. And so I... What happened? <laughs> Uh, so my, my older sister, cause I'm, I'm the middle and like, you think your older siblings are just the coolest all the time. And so, uh, my older sister was playing a song once, uh, on the computer called girls don't like boys, girls like cars and money. And it's a good Charlotte song. And yeah. like, it is just so funny. Uh, like the lyrics are just what I said, like girls don't like boys, girls like cars and money. Boys will laugh at girls when they're not funny. Like it just, it's, it's this whole like angsty back and forth between guys and girls. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the funniest song in the world. And so I looked it up and then I got the CD and all of the songs on there I thought were just so great. Um, and I was a runner in high school. I ran cross country and track. And so uh, you listen to a lot of music when you're running because you can like it's not like basketball or soccer where you don't have headphones in when I'm running I have headphones in all the time so you go out for an hour long run like I needed something to listen to um and so I'd be excited you know junior senior year to listen to something that came out when I was you know nine (laughs) right nothing on the uh the anthem Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. That's I feel my, like that's my favorite Good Charlotte song. It's it's solid. I feel yeah. like that's I liked that one. Um, Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous, I thought yeah. was really good. Um, they came out with one. I was called um, Like It's Her Birthday when I was like actually in high school, I think. Oh yeah. And so I liked that one. But yeah, yeah, they were solid. Like I definitely. I don't know. I'm very upbeat and peppy, I think, but I'm also like, I can be the person in a leather jacket. Who's like, don't talk to me. <laughs> so, so I think pop punk is, is a pretty good hybrid for me. What is it about the humor that uh, appeals to you? Cause it's not just good Charlotte. There's, there's humor used in so many of those other bands like blink 182, you know, right. and so on. Like what is it about that? That's so appealing. I just, I've liked comedy and theater for such a long time. When I was in Chicago, I did stand up there and that was super fun. Uh, and then throughout college, I was the president of an improv comedy group, which, well, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but we did shows once a month for like over 500 people. Wow. And that was like one of the highlights of my life. It was so fun to like be up there and making people laugh. And again, it comes back to like, I think laughter is such a positive emotion and like laughter is said to be like the shortest distance between two people. And so I think that. Oh, that's really cool. um, I like that. (laughs) So I just think that, um, and I just, I just appreciate someone with a good wit. I think that if someone is writing something 
whether it's clever or witty or outrageous, like there are so many different types of humor, but I appreciate someone who has the message or the purpose to spread laughter or witty smiles or things. And that can be through comedy, through books, through TV or through music. Yeah. So do you like Weird Al? (laughs) I remember liking Weird Al a little bit. Like I knew like, like white and nerdy was like the big one when I was a kid. And I thought it was really funny as a kid. Um, he's not like my go-to or anything now. Like I wouldn't say I'm a Weird Al fan, but like I can appreciate what he does for, for people for sure. Like it's something where it's like, oh, that's not really my sense of humor, but like, I think he's someone's and I think that's great. Yeah. So at, at this time, uh, you kind of talked about it already a little bit, but, uh, musicals are (laughs) something that you're participating at in school, Talk about what that was like getting involved as well as the uh, the music that you would listen to on your own. Oh, sure. So, okay, actually, small correction. I did like all of the school plays growing up. I did not do any of the school musicals. I am not a good singer. Like I, okay. I cannot even carry a tune. However, then I, then I was on the other side of the musicals and the audience just like pining away, wishing I had these skills and I didn't. Hey, you, you were able to sing tequila. Uh, <laughs> at karaoke, karaoke with you, with you <laughs> and, and some other backup singers as well. Yes. The, the musical stylings of yelling the word the tequila, <laughs> but I just, I love musicals so much and plays. I just love theater. Hamilton is like an obvious favorite. It feels very unoriginal to say that, but I think Hamilton did so much for marginalized groups in America and everybody across the globe. And it's beautiful. Um, But I also love like Fun Home. I love the Book of Mormon. Everyone likes like Lame Is and Wicked. I think Rent is great. West Side Story is great. Like just all the, uh, I mean, everything. Like it's, the Broadway versions even of classics like Aladdin and stuff have songs that you don't know from like growing up watching the Disney movies and stuff. So I have Broadway playlists. Um, my kids in class will request things now like Dear Evan Hansen. So, well, they're, they're typing essays and stuff like that. So that's fun because I think that shows kids as well like story and how you can build a plot through your writing in addition to just like a fun catchy chorus because musicals know how to move a plot along in a number as well as just make it sound good oh totally i think that's one of the things that makes disney so special Mm -hmm. uh, is that that ability to move the plot along with the song right Um, and it's still a song you want to sing independently later totally it's it's I don't think people recognize or appreciate that, that uh, the ability of how Disney has consistently done that through the years. Right. I would agree with that. Crazy. I'm reminded of uh, your dislike of Wicked. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Okay. I like Wicked. It's beautiful. Like everyone loves defying gravity. When the song popular, when I first heard that one, I thought this is so funny. And I love Wicked. The only thing I, so Kyle, for listeners who don't know, is bringing this up because we have a friend named Jake who loves Wicked. And I, he said it was his favorite musical. And I just was kind of like, oh, of course. Because I feel like you ask anyone who like has 
listen to one or two musicals like what's your favorite musical and they're like oh wicked is so good it just feels like the obvious answer but at the same time I can't like fault anyone for that because they're like who's your favorite singer and I'm like oh Taylor Swift so (laughs) I I can't be too hypocritical I'm just like oh but there's so much more to be explored yeah it's like a kid saying their favorite like food is pizza or something it's like well of course it is but like what else no I mean I think for our age group, you know, Wicked was the the one musical that people knew. Right, and um, it's so long-lasting, and it's toured so much. Like, in you see community versions of it. You see Broadway revivals of it. So it's, yeah. it's something that's really kind of made the rounds over something like, like Cats, like excluding the more recent movie. Like, you don't see as, quite as many, like, uh, high school renditions of that or something like that. So Wicked has been at the high school level, the Broadway level, everything in between. I totally agree with everything you said. It'd be interesting to see if like Hamilton is everybody's go-to favorite of like the teen generation now. Right, right. I have kids who tell me they love it and they they ask if I can play songs from it during class sometimes and I'm like, oh, only a select few because there's some strong yeah. language and some... Right. Um, but I just think Hamilton is such an important message. I don't know for anyone who hasn't seen, I've seen it twice and I've listened to it multiple times, hundreds of times. Um, but it's just, it's the story of America's past, but it's told by people who represent America's future. Um, and it's just a bunch of mostly rap songs about, the founding fathers and uh there i think it does a good job at showing how they were really bad people in some aspects but really great people in other aspects and it just shows how everyone kind of has that dichotomy in them and i i i'm just obsessed (laughs) yeah so back to some pop music boy bands like uh anyone besides just the Jonas Brothers that stood out to you growing up? I feel like there was, like I was definitely into Backstreet Boys and NSYNC as a younger kid. Like that was almost, I feel like, the the tail end of them was like the start of me listening to music. Like they, they were like considerably older than me. I guess. Um, so me listening to the Backstreet Boys in 1999 when I'm six is like, I, I liked the boy bands, but I, I couldn't be like crazy fangirl yet because I was six. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Jonas Brothers was for sure the big one because they were about my age. I remember the next big one I felt like was One Direction and they were just like a smidge younger than me. Like I think they're, well, no, some might be older. They're, they're like right around my age, but they, I mean, they went through the machine in the sense of like, let's write a song with these chords about a girl who doesn't know she's beautiful, but like, we think she's beautiful. Like I, at, at that point I was old enough to be like, oh, okay. And like, I'm just like a, a feminist young woman. And I was like, we can do better than this. Like, I don't need a boy to tell me I'm beautiful. Like, I can wake up and think I'm beautiful all on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I thought that they were great and fun. And I very much so, like, understood the hype. Even something like BTS now. Like, I'm, I'm not by any means, like, a big BTS fan. But I'm like, I get it. And I 
empathize and understand and love the girls who are fans of these boy bands. Because I also think like boys growing up were very, I don't know what the word is, but they would just be very like, they'd have a lot of animosity towards these boy bands. Like I remember being in middle school uh, and you'd like the Jonas Brothers and all the other middle school boys would be like, oh my gosh, Jonas Brothers are so stupid. Like there's, there's a... Like, I don't know if it's jealousy, but there's like, oh, people are so comfortable dissing on things that teenage girls like. And I just think that's like so unhealthy and unproductive. Like, can you imagine if every time a boy brought up baseball, every teenage girl was like, oh, okay, baseball. Like, let, like, let teenage girls have their likes, even if they're stereotypical and don't feel the need to like come back at them with any type of belittling comment or nature you heard it here (laughs) (laughs) that was that was really good i think there was a lot of good points that you just brought up Uh, well thank you like the the baseball analogy (laughs) i'll be honest i'm guilty of that oh growing up Uh, (laughs) so i that's something to think on and ponder i think as because i think uh I'm, i'm sure it's more than one or two things so i think we all i i think it's so easy to be Judge, just like judgmental judgy and angry as a kid like on on the playlist i sent you i put um one of the songs by taylor swift you belong with me and it came out in 2008 and i loved that song in 2008 but some of the lyrics are like she wears short skirts i wear t-shirts she's cheer captain and i'm on the bleachers and it's all about how like this guy is looking at the wrong girl instead of looking at you. And like, yeah, I jammed to that in eighth grade, but now I'm looking back and I'm like, that is so awful. Like Mm. the girl who's cheer captain probably worked really hard and was really athletic and really nice. And like, she can wear a short skirt if she wants to wear a short skirt. Like, why am I wearing jeans and complaining? (laughs) (laughs) And so I I put it on my, my playlist to kind of show like, I love Taylor Swift so much, I think, because, again, I'm, like, at that age with her. And so it's so easy when you're in middle school, no matter what, to kind of riff on someone because you don't think your problems are intrinsically uh, yours to own at all. Uh, And you want to, like, pass it to someone else. You want to be angry at the guys who these girls like. Or you want to be angry at these girls who got what you wanted instead of, you know, appreciating the things that everyone can offer. Yeah. Wow. I, I might just have to end it right there. One uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of cool phase that you had just out right around the end of your high school, you uh, really got into Nirvana. <laughs> I did. That's another example of just like completely wrong timing. Like yeah. I, I bought a Nirvana t-shirt and everyone was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's really, they're, they're this really good band. Have you heard of them? <laughs> how, did, um, how did that come about? Okay. So I was watching, um, my family used to watch like American Idol and The Voice together yeah. growing up. And on there, people can audition with all sorts of songs and they can put them in their own style and their own renditions of things. Um, and I remember someone auditioned with the song Heart Shaped Box. Yeah. And I was just like, really into the song I was like that's like I I, I just thought it the lyrics were like twisted but really pretty I, I I was just very interested being trapped inside someone's heart-shaped box for weeks 
uh, with orchids and, and everything else that they just described. I was like, that's interesting. And I didn't know who sang it, which I think is okay. I think people get like, you don't know who Van Halen is? Like, no, I was born in 93. Like, what do you want? Um, you don't know who Miley Cyrus is. Like, come at me. Um, I had heard of Smells Like Teen Spirit, I remember. So I like played that one. I was like, oh, I, like, I know this. I don't know what from, but like, I've heard this in my life. Um, but then I started putting together a playlist. And again, it was by no means like, you look at their popular ones first. So I was very into like, come as you are in bloom lithium, uh, like all of that type of stuff. Um, But I just started curating like Nirvana playlists. And that's what I would be like walking around college campuses to with my earbuds in my ears, like (laughs) Kurt Cobain and Dave Grohl. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. It was great. It was great. So uh, we got to talk about the obvious uh, Taylor Swift, uh, your favorite. Um, oh, my queen. What, how did you first uh, hear her? I The first song I heard was, I think, probably what a lot of people first heard by her was called Our Song. And it was off her Taylor Swift like self-titled album. Uh, and it talks about how their song is the slam and screen door. And it's like all these different things that her and a boy do have, even though they don't have a, a song, um, all the small moments they share. So she started out as very country. And I remember thinking the songs were cute. I wasn't like super into them. I've never identified as like a really heavy country person, but I was like, oh, it has like a little bit of poppy rhythm to it. And you can still dance and sing to it. Then I got her second CD, Fearless, and her third one, Speak Now. And I thought those were great. And then the big thing was for my sweet 16, my parents got me tickets to her Fearless concert tour because um, she was coming to Grand Rapids. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what do I wear? What do I? Oh, ah, like just. <laughs> uh, and so I, that, I think, was just a big experience for me because I was so I had been to concerts before. I had gone to a Britney concert. I had gone to a Jonas Brothers concert. But this was the one where I was like. I really look up to this girl too. Like she's so willing to put her heart on her sleeve and so willing to say how she's feeling very directly. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to be so open with your emotions is a whole type of strength. And then again, just really relating to it because you can sing SOS and hold on and everything by the Jonas brothers, but they're just fun, silly songs. Whereas these ones I was like, I relate to like, how do I tell this boy I like him? Or I connect to like these friends used to be my friends, but now they're not. What do I do? Like all of those struggles that she was singing about as a middle schooler and then into high school, I I just felt like I connected with. And that's really continued into now. She had her last two albums are my favorite. So she did Reputation, which was a little bit of a of a harder album and she had switched fully into pop at that point. Um, But just a lot of songs about how she felt that everything she did, especially as a woman, was scrutinized. Like, she couldn't sing about her exes, but guys could sing about girls all the time, and it wasn't noticed. Or um, she would say something, and someone would twist it to mean something else. Or she would try to make a smart business decision. She'd be called Calculated. And then her newest album, Lover, one of my favorite songs by her, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, is on there. And it's kind of a, a subtle commentary on our government and she went through a phase I watched her documentary on Netflix (laughs) Uh, just about how 
when is the appropriate time to stand up for things yeah and how do you use your platform for good and when you know you have so many fans and you know that saying something is going to cut ties and burn bridges no matter what when is it appropriate to do that mm-hmm. and i think as i've become more uh political and more upstanding for the things that i believe uh she has too not like not like she's watching me and we're correlated but just again in that same stage of life what is it about like these female artists that are empowering you like how is someone like taylor swift making an impact in your life i feel like a lot of the the songs are just motivational in a sense that uh, they remind me that I can do anything and that being a girl in society does have drawbacks. Like her, her most recent single off the lover album is called the man. And it says, and it's my phone background right now. Um, uh, it says I'd be a fearless leader. I'd be an alpha type. I'm so sick of running as fast as I can. I wonder if I get there quicker if I was a man. And I just, I, I do think it's happened, unfortunately, a lot in my life where like I say something or I do something, but it's seen as brash or it's seen as bossy um, when it's, no, I'm making a decision or I'll say something and a guy will say something louder. And just because he said it louder, he gets the credit or just things like that. Like there's, there's a reason why girls go out and are afraid of things versus the same reasons guys go out and they're excited about things. And so I think she points out important gaps in our society, but she also is still encouraging in fighting that good fight. Like she's like, yeah, there are these gaps, but like I'm going to go out on a stadium only tour and sell out everywhere, which is something people can't do. So I, I just think she's inspirational. And I think another one of the songs I put on the playlist was like Sit Still, Look Pretty by Daya. Um, and it's talking about someone who wants like a nine to five dream and a picket fence and a trophy wife. But like I'm meant for more than sit still and look pretty. And I just feel like I'm always willing to, or I'd like to think I'm always someone who's willing to like speak up for anyone or I don't know. I just think I'm, there, there are greater stories out there than love stories for people. And I think that a lot of girls need to be reminded of that. Like your story doesn't need to be a love story. Your story can be a power story. So like expand on that, like reminded of what kind of stories or messages? I think that especially as a kid and even as a teacher, um, I talk to a lot of kids about goals um, and a lot of kids talk about well, in 10 years, I'm going to be married. And that's just very interesting. And I would never deter anyone from that. But I teach kids who are 12. So it's like, okay, you're going to be married at 22. And that comes back to, you know, Hudsonville feeling a certain way. And I got married at at 23. So I understand that, um, that mindset. But it's just very interesting how a lot of these young women and young men um, have the goal of getting married and starting a family and having a house. And I think that is so great and can be super foundational. But I also want to say, hey, your goal can be running a marathon. Your goal can be writing a book. Your goal can be being the best big brother or a big sister or best caretaker of a parent or grandparent. Your goal could be being CEO of a business. Not every story has to end in the way you see in storybooks. 
it can be you ruling the world in your own way. Yeah. That's awesome. As a, as a teacher, how do you, uh, incorporate music into your classroom? Ooh, uh, this has been interesting. Just like, there's a lot of conversation around, uh, cell phones and tech in the classroom, which, you know, um, being there, (laughs) uh, with us all every day. And so I obviously do hands-on teaching a lot. Like I'm up at the front of the room, I'm talking to kids, I'm, I'm getting them up out of their seats so we can like act out an example or do a demonstration of something. But in English class, I think we're in a unique situation because there's a lot of time where we're just like writing creatively. And I tell kids just like, get your ideas on the page. And some people love music in that regard and some people hate music in that regard. Like my best friend and roommate and colleague, Hannah, loved to listen to music while she was studying and I could not because it would drive me nuts and I'd get so distracted because I wanted to get up and like sing and dance to these songs. Well, you, you, I think your problem is that you were choosing the wrong music. That's probably what it is. I need like the quiet, like symphony yeah. or whatever in the background to, to help boost my memory and stuff. But I was like, again, listening to like Hamilton or Taylor Swift or the killers or something. <laughs> and so, uh, for students, I'm very cognizant of that. I'm like, Oh, I like to play music, but like not everyone benefits from music. So I try to have a day a week when we're writing that I'm going to say, Hey, I'll put on some music while you're working Sometimes it's, it's usually with a theme. So some days it's musicals. Um, some days it's Disney. They really like Disney and they are into whatever their childhood Disney was. So a lot of them are like, can you play the first Frozen or can you play Moana? Because they were like six and seven when that stuff came out. Yeah. I had a day uh, where I just <laughs> looked up childhood theme songs and did a playlist of those stuff that like I hadn't even all heard of because it's from like a kid's childhood who was born in 2009 but it's like a bunch of Nickelodeon theme songs and stuff so then whenever one starts you hear the kids go this one and they they get all excited and stuff but I never want it to be a distraction to what they're doing so I I offer music like once maybe twice a week if we're doing a writing heavy week Uh, and then other times I let them bring their phones uh for music so they can put in their airpods or earbuds or headphones and they pick a playlist but then they put their phone face down on their desk and that way they can listen to their own things uh because i always say they probably like their musical taste more than they like mine unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) uh and then the kids who don't want music while they work have those days certainly to to just be with their thoughts while they write what is it about music uh as to why uh we as humans listen to it? Why, why do we need it? I think it's just nice to know that you're not alone in whatever it is that you're going through. Like if you're, if you're sad, you might want to be alone, but you want to know someone's gone through what you're going through and you want to listen to that song. If you're happy, you're looking to get pumped up. You want to listen to something that lets other people or lets you know that other people are feeling the same way. Like I remember I was at a, at a camp once, um, or I was working at a camp at a day camp near Detroit and I would, uh, go to the camp and then go home to a friend's house at night. And so I was driving home with one of my friends and I was listening to a song on the radio. I can't remember the song, but long story short, I was like, it's so much better to hear your favorite songs on the radio than it is just like on your, on my iPod nano or whatever at the time. And she was like, because you know that the rest of Detroit metro area is jamming out with you. 
And I was like, right, right. That's what it is. Like there, there's a sense of community, even if you're in your car listening to it alone, that other people are also listening to it. Or, hey, I'm feeling these things, but someone else has also felt them. Uh, I think it's just the empathy and the connectedness that we all need and crave. For sure. Well, thank you for, for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichting. Each person interviewed has created a playlist to the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm, click on Soundtrack Playlist, and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at at Soundtrack Podcast, or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack. Soundtrack.